What's up, freaks? Welcome back to the Progcast, presented by the Prog Space. I'm one of your hosts, Randy from Freaks, and with me as always, Dario from the Prog Space and Freaks. We we switched sides today because I have maybe a little bit more computer work to do for the big topic today, which is going to be a little discussion about Operation Mindcrime from Queensryche. Yes. Uh, but in, before we get into that, um, housekeeping, Dario. What, what what did we miss if we missed the broadcast in the last week? Um, well, on Monday we had the week two of our new uh, what's Monday what's hot section, right? And uh, with that came a super fresh interview with Miku Sirin, the drummer of Apocalyptica. A very uh, nice interview, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, it was great fun, and um, I, I really like the album uh, if it didn't sh shine through or if you haven't listened to the episode um i love the album i'm for those who don't know i i do play the cello myself and of course growing up as a uh, cello playing kid and getting into metal it was the obvious choice around the around the turn of the millennium yeah um to become a, an apocalyptica fan mm -hmm. after reflections i went a little bit more mainstream with all those uh guest singers and sing like we're a little bit stuck in the single format in the like ma more mainstream uh kind of songwriting but now they're fully back in this instrumental thing and they're as uh, they're more proggy than they've ever been before and it's it's just a phenomenal record cell zero i love the concept behind it um check out the interview to um find out more about the concept behind cell zero because there's a whole lot more than the, just the pun that it also <laughs> reads cello right and um yeah and in the interview he he gives you a great breakdown of what the <laughs> what the instrumental album is about you know what i mean yeah like the whole concept behind it i yeah. love that when when bands write something that's not lyrical but then have a really deep concept uh underneath all of that music gives you kind of like images in the mind to play with and stuff like yeah. that and i noticed that uh you even hooked uh, hooked Blake, our our colleague here at Moonbase and Stewart's yeah. Media, on the album while you were <laughs> maybe working on the interview or whatever. He kept talking about it, so I guess he's listening to it now too. Yeah, actually, and I, I mean, wouldn't have thought because he's not really into like symphonic and prog or anything yeah, like this. Yeah, you know? no, I think it was like that that I plugged it to to Janine actually uh, okay. because I told her that I might have the opportunity to get this interview very last minute. And uh, then I noticed she didn't know about Apocalyptica at all. And then I gave her a quick breakdown about the history of the band, like in, in one <laughs> or two hour, minutes. Two hours later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was really quick. And then uh, she seemed really intrigued. And uh, so I, I guess she she brought that home to the uh, Louis uh, household. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so definitely check out um, that episode um, from the, the weekly What's Hot plus the interview. And then last Thursday, of course, we dropped our albums of 2019. Yes, and um, uh, as you have it, of course, I uh, forgot a whole section. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a small section and actually... That it, it it hasn't changed since the uh, mid year uh, ah, okay. um, breakdown, but I wanted to mention them again. That was my three favorite pop albums, ah, so yeah. to speak, and uh, they are all uh, somehow prog related. Especially, of course, Daniel Tompkins' Castles. Um, yeah, right. Uh, we all know where Daniel comes from, and. Um, yeah, he's got more pop stuff to explore this year with White Moth, Black Butterfly, and more Zeta stuff. Yeah. Uh, and um, second one would be Crystal Linder, the prog. Yeah. A a connection being Catatonia there um, with his beautiful album Across the Never. And the third one... Um. Yeah, it, it, the third one is also a debut album. It, it seems to be a theme uh, <clears throat> that uh, many amazing debut albums came out last year. And the third one in my pop section would be Shea Baba's Requiem. Um, like it, it's not a Requiem in the classical sense, but the lead single and the album is called uh, a Requiem. 
now I'm not sure if the album's actually called Requiem, but the lead singer was <laughs> actually. So, um, and his voice is just out of this world. Actually, all of all three voices, they're like they're the re really voice-centered uh, um, pop albums, um, but also the the musical instrumentation around it, the arrangements are top-notch yeah. on the production and the songwriting. So, stellar albums. I I wanted to give one last shout out, <laughs> even though they're uh, already more than half a year old. Um, And one other thing I wanted to add to my expectations uh, oh, yeah. uh, episode from two weeks ago. Um, I mentioned Sordid Pink, the project of uh, David Maximicic and Alexandra Jelmash, and said I have no idea what's going on there because there haven't, hasn't, hasn't been a post in, on Facebook or whatever, any news in a long time. And... Uh, Accidentally, I stumbled upon a YouTube video from David from 23rd of December, where he announced that he's no longer with uh, Wood Guerrilla Guitars, and and explained it in depth, like 10 minutes. And at the very end, like in a sub sentence, he he mentioned uh, oh. uh, th that that there's gonna be sorted pink. Ah, okay, so see, you have to watch every single video to make sure you don't miss any information like that. Um, yeah, th those were a couple of things uh, as an addendum to the last episodes I wanted to mention. Yeah, to um, you listening, I mean, definitely uh, let us know if, uh, if, if we missed any albums that you thought were stellar. I'm sure that we, because it's so opinion-based, we didn't include a lot of albums that you guys really like um but yeah there was so much coming out it's hard to i mean even like great albums that you really loved i'd probably never even fully listened to once yeah. you know because it's just not enough time but yeah yeah you know uh, our colleague uh, kai metzner yeah commented a few i i i remember off off my head uh he he mentioned the waste of space orchestra yeah That was that Oranzi Pasuzu uh, plus another band collaboration. Yeah, and he's a big Oranzi Pasuzu fan. That guy. Yeah, and, and also Russian Circles. Yeah, right. That was another one. And uh, uh, now no, I forgot the third. The other one was ah yeah, Nightmare Scenario. Yeah, the, the project of Dan Briggs, the yes. solo solo project of Dan Briggs, the bass player. Right. Of between the buried and me. Yeah. So good, good, good calls there, Kai. Um. Now I I think uh, before I got to speak about the the apocalyptic concert at all, we we got di diverted to 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 some more other. Um, yeah, how was the concert uh, for yeah, apocalyptic? Yeah, right. I I actually I really wanted to mention that because uh, yeah I haven't seen them in more than ten years, and um, yeah of course now now with the more instrumental centered. Thing it was also, I, I was also t super curious about the new songs, and the funny thing is they are on tour with Sabaton and Amaranthen now, uh, which is of course more mainstream metal audience. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, their direct support or spe more more special guest. Yeah, I would say. And they also play four or five songs together with a Sabaton in the second part of the Sabaton show, um, which adds a lot to 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 the Sabaton show itself. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they're they're absolutely on fire, and um, actually, the biggest surprise was I have to admit I'm not really a fan of Amaranth. They're like a Danish, Swedish, really mainstream metal band with three singers, like a ah. female lead cleans. Like Beauty and the Beast kind of stuff. Ma Male cleans and male growls. Um, and they incorporate like some pop and, and uh, electro things in it. And really, really mainstream songwriting. I'm not really a fan of them. Just taste... Taste-wise, yeah. I but mean, but but the singer uh, Elise Ritt came out for Apocalyptica, oh. and um, um, 
all the way back in 2003, the first Apocalyptica album, which featured only one cover version, which was actually a bonus track. That was uh, Reflections, and the uh, cover version was Seemann from Rammstein yep. with Nina Hagen singing. Ah, okay. Um, so, you, you know, Nina Hagen's voice really, yep. really deep and f full of smoke and what, what, <laughs> what not. And uh, uh, Elise Ridd's version was, the rendition was... It was simply stunning, like three times the range of Nina Hagen was, it, that was really mind-blowing, but uh, how she pulled that off. Um, uh, when, when she went in that, into the last uh, chorus, and, and I noticed she was aiming for the upper octave, and I was like, no way she's going to belt that out, and she nailed it perfectly. That was, that was really stunning. And um, yeah, so it was a, um, also with me not being the biggest Sabaton fan, I have to admit their show is amazing and if they continue like this I have to say it could be that they, they will be the ne next generation's Iron Maiden Wow they, they, they're, I mean with a, with a live show with a, uh, anthemic songs and uh, the, the live show just needs like you know the uh Icarus or or um, plane element yeah. hanging above the uh, above the uh, the stage. Yeah. The rest is there, like constant pyros and and the stage uh, props and like a tank on the stage. And it's, it was it's just, it's it's a big show. I mean, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't. I don't. I I wasn't as into apocalyptic as you were, but I mean, I know them from when they first appeared doing like Metallica covers and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, in a way, it's maybe kind of weird to see them on tour with those two bands, but in a way, not because I think Apocalyptica has always kind of carved their own little place in a in a sort of mainstream metal world that their music reaches a, a wide variety of people maybe because of the of the of the strings you know what i mean yeah. and so it kind of reaches people that like symphonic classical stuff but also you know metal fans yeah. especially when they did the covers and stuff and like yeah. incorporated so i yeah. mean they're kind of they can kind of chameleon be like a chameleon in a way yeah and and, and what in. i wanted to say what what works so brilliantly with this package even though the three bands were quite different um because i mean you don't have that modern uh electronic element that amarantha have in sabaton or right uh and um i mean elise singing with apocalyptica and then later apocalyptica playing with with sabaton later and i think also miku mentioned in the interview that they all, all get along really yeah, well yeah, and then they're super super nice people so in a way, it's a, it's it's kind of a really amazing package that works perfectly on a professional musical level, yeah. as they can like help each other out, yeah, uh, on and make the uh, night interesting. And that it's yeah. not all the same, yeah, you know, style. And yeah, it's not all the same style, but also interesting in a way as they um, have like the guest appearances from the other band of the night, yeah. and it's not just three individual bands doing their thing. Um, so that's a cool thing. Yeah, sounds like it was a positive vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, okay, moving on um, to the what's in your what's in your Walkman. Yeah, section. before before that, um, uh, of course, Spotify playlists. Yes, check them out. Um, I'm uh, from now on. I I I think I will also put them in in the comments on Facebook or something, so it's easier for you to find them. Um, because that's where the music happens. We we are, we are talking about, um, so definitely check that out. Spotify playlist to each and every episode of the broadcast. And then we know what's in your Walkman <laughs> when you listen and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. and, and yeah, and if you and if you you know shameless plug here, if you like the show, please you know give us a, a rating on iTunes or Spotify leave comments, then more people that are into Prague will find out about the show. So, uh, Dario, what's in your Walkman today? Um, I ha actually have to look that up because the... Um, <laughs> Don't tell me you had it on shuffle. Nope. B. 
big but the crimes. Bad, the, uh, it is an album of 2019. I wasn't aware of until yesterday. Oh, um, big shout out to my good friend and Proxbase colleague Alexandre Famuchon for uh, plugging me with this, and it's a band from India called uh, Taikudam Bridge, and this, the album is called Nama. Uh huh. Um, and they they really do play a crossover of Indian style music and rock and prog. Ah, okay. And the album features on different songs guest uh, appearances by people like Jordan Rudess, Marco Miniman, ah. and uh, Guthrie Govan. Ah, wow. So I mean, they. <laughs> I, I see the connections in there, you know what I mean, like with those guys. So, yeah, and you know, I mean, th this would be worth uh, t tabling for a, a like an Indian, uh, you know, rock, prog, metal uh, episode because there is a lot of stuff coming out of India, and it yeah, would be worth yeah taking a deeper dive into that. Actually, I I, I was, uh, um, yeah, th this. This episode actually marks the return of the who progged in here ah. section, finally, <laughs> because finally we have the time yeah. now that we have the what's hot section moved out. Right. And uh, when we were thinking about uh, this Operation Mindcrime thing we're going to talk about later, yeah. um, also came up like, yeah six, seven, eight months ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and and also back then when I was thinking about stuff that would be interesting to talk about um, to to have a dedicated long section. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do country specials. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's right. that's again right. not okay. music. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, hey, I, I love country music. And we know Ross does too. Yeah. So me and him, he doesn't know it yet, but me and him are going to start a country band one day. Mm. <laughs> a lot of people in hate cockroach posting will go crazy about this um anyway um yeah because uh, i mean there there's some obvious choices like uh poland for example australia and greece yeah uh and france <laughs> um as if you don't give enough love to france already on the show um so and 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 with that the idea was actually to my idea was actually to do one episode in that series to for 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 kind of world prog for you know um for the rest of the world but then again it it would be for 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 yeah countries like India um if we have the time, if we find the time to really do a proper research, yeah. then we uh, we could find also for India in a, uh, to, easily, yeah, easily, easily enough bands to to fill a whole. Especially episode. at the moment, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that came out this last year, like sitar metal and all this other stuff. Yeah, that, right. Uh, would be worth talking about, but yeah. So stay tuned. We'll get into that with with countries and more uh, and, uh, somebody progged in here topics. Yeah, and check out Taikudam Bridge Nala. What's yeah. in your Walkman, Randy? Yeah, so mine is a little bit related to to today's um, uh, somebody progged in here topic. Uh, it's digital ruin. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I was listening to Dwelling in the Out, uh, which is an album that came out in two thousand. So Digital Ruin is a band from Rhode Island, and I remember they were from the United States, but... I don't think they're active anymore. I think they released these two albums. 2000 was the last one. And um, I got into them with, I think, with Dwelling in the Out. And then I went and found a copy of the first album, The Hand, from 97 on Laser's Edge somewhere. And, and at that point, Dwelling in the Out had signed to Inside Out for this one album. Oh, so I, it's an Inside oh, Out release. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, but I but I knew but I knew the album from Progulus. Yeah, that's that's the the only way I knew. And it. it's kind of funny because it's around the same time that Evergrey uh, put out In Search of Truth. Okay, and this there's something about that Inside Out era where a lot of like the covers had like a similar look. 
And I only thought of this just at this moment, so I didn't... Matthias Noren, look. <laughs> Maybe it's Matthias Noren. I don't know if he did this this particular album, but well, somehow uh, they um, have this this similar feel. Uh, you know? a, lot of, a lot of Inside Out stuff was also done by Thomas Everhard. Mm-hmm. I'd have to go back and look, and unfortunately I didn't think of it until this exact moment, but uh, <laughs> I just remember during that era a lot of stuff kind of had this same feeling. But anyway... I would, um, I would, I would guess the album, uh, the digital rune might be in that mean deviation book. You have, yeah, we have here on the desk. We'll take a look at it uh, in a minute and see if we can <laughs> find it. But, um, so this this music uh, is like heavy dark prog, I would say metal. Um, I remember back then they were they were using like seven string guitars, so they had this like really deep sounding you know um already well that's a little uh, that's quite early yeah i i, I think this album uh, i can't um i can't be certain but i can i i do recall reading that they were using seven strings uh and like the bass player is clearly using at least five because it's like on the low b all the time you know it's like so like yeah low riff heavy but then they have um these cool keyboards over the top of everything kind of all the time, keeping a kind of melodic feel going. Um, the vocalist back then, I remember people kind of complained or or liked him because he sounded a little bit like a James Labrie. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, I don't think he sounds anything like James Labrie, but it's sort of like in the pronunciation of stuff and some of the way that he sings has a similar style. Um but solid vocal performance, and it actually is quite an emotional album too. Like towards the end, you know, you start getting like, yeah, it's it gets it's dark, you know, um, and and very interesting. And and I can remember back then that they were after this album came out. I think they lost their bass player, and they were looking for a bass player. And I was in New York, and I was like, but Rhode Island was way too far away, so I didn't even bother writing anybody. But <laughs> and, and then after that, I think they just kind of hung it up. But. Uh, Dwelling in the Out was a great album. The Hand is also cool. I'm going to talk about that in a minute uh, with the, the with the who, who, other topic. Who, who knows uh, what could have been if you had uh, applied. <laughs> Maybe they would have stayed together, kept the band together. Well, Rhode Island was a bit too far away from New York City, unfortunately. But um, so very cool album. I'm 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 sure that you can still find it uh, on hopefully on Spotify and places uh, that, that, like this. I, I just wanted to say um, it's. Uh, I, I I wouldn't say it's a given that you fin- can find it on Spotify because it wasn't Spotify was not around back then. Sure, I, I will have a couple of albums coming later that are not on Spotify. Actually, okay, yeah, um, and I mean maybe because it was Inside Out, but we'd have to have to double check this. Uh, we'll check this if uh, on uh, yeah on another note if we are talking about music that is not on Spotify. Um, always check out the Prog Space article. We're gonna put uh, some YouTube. Yeah, uh, links. Yeah, I'm sure. So you can also check out album. this music, and um, I I would guess uh, if you want to uh, get yourself a copy of Digital Ruin, check Laser's Edge or yeah, um, or uh, um, Just for Kicks, uh, German Mail Order, they might have stuff like yeah. this. As yeah, well. again, it was Inside Out, and it might have even been during the Inside Out America era, which I think doesn't exist anymore but was for a period of time there was like an inside out america i suspect it was more just like a distribution for north mm-hmm. america for them maybe this is pre-century media ownership i i think pre-century media slash sony ownership of inside out so um that was that was before my time actually yeah. so i wouldn't wouldn't know so dad rock is that what you're calling us <laughs> Okay, boomer. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we, before we dive into the um, who progged in here section, one one new section I want to introduce now that we uh, have the what's hot section sourced out. Um, how about release of the week? We're recording and releasing this uh, um, on Thursdays, yep. and Friday is release day right so so we should we we should pick an album that we're most excited about that's coming out this friday or the one that came out last friday this friday tomorrow uh-huh this week yeah right tomorrow's friday <laughs> um yeah well, you're the guy that knows what album's coming i have no idea what's, what's... uh rafael weinorth brown i this comes out tomorrow. worlds within there yeah you go. 
<laughs> Got to ask Dario if you want to know. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah, great, yeah. great pick. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be out tomorrow. He released already last week. I think I somehow missed it in this Monday's uh, What's Hot section, uh, the second single uh, for the 9, 10, 11 minutes epic Tumult. Yeah. Um, uh, I, and it, it's it's beautifully shot, like with drone shots in the ruin. He's playing with the cello and, and with the dancer and black and white so yeah. definitely also for you for you to check out yeah uh, totally. from a video uh, uh camera guy perspective <laughs> we'll call this like dario's pick of the week because he's always going to know the albums that are coming and and if you and if you like the record like after you listen to it or before go back and check out dario's episode uh with him when when um can't remember which episode that was but it's in the archives yeah yeah, when Leprous uh, was in Munich, I uh, took the opportunity to do an interview with uh, Raphael as well. Yep. So you can go back and check that out. All right, uh, we are uh, 20 minutes in, 25 minutes in. 25 minutes in. Um, so let's jump who, into this. Who progged in here? Yeah, <laughs> I guess this week it was me because... Um, so... An album we wanted to talk about last year uh, a lot was Queensryche's uh, 1988 album, Operation Mindcrime. And for anybody listening to this show, you know the album. I mean, maybe there's some folks in here that are newer uh, who maybe like have heard of it but never went back and checked it out. But yeah. um, I think it's easy to say that this is one of the, one of the pivotal, if not the first, prog metal albums that was a concept record. Yeah. Um, of course, before Operation Mindcrime, plenty of concept albums um, from the, the Prague era of the 70s. Yeah. You know. I, I, I wrote some down here, but we don't have to mention them. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have a few too, and, and you know, we're going to probably repeat the same ones, but certainly like The Who's, Tommy, and Quadrophenia. That's on um, my list. Thick as a Brick. Thick as a Brick. Rush 2112. Even though this is not a full album, it's an yeah. A-side of a record, but... Uh, and then... The one that I think is most important, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, maybe Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, Even older. I mean, I, I would I would argue that Pink Floyd's The Wall is the most important to this record because there's even a very strong musical reference uh, in the album from The Wall. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, they use, um, you know, like the the sort of voiceover talking as if there's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, Rolling Stones, which, which, which picked this as like their number 67 greatest metal albums of all time. Mm -hmm. um, even mentioned like it could fit in today's world in its sort of like gaming sound, like the soundtrack. It feels like a game soundtrack. Yeah. And you have these like characters talking throughout it that could easily be in a game in modern times. I never thought of that because I don't play uh, video games so much, but... Um, I, 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 I'm not a gamer as well. Uh, I understand what they mean uh, because, yeah, I think in this... Uh, uh, modern games, there's with this. There's some scenes in between where where there's, yeah, yeah the narrative, the narrative thing. Yeah. Uh, funny thing that they say it like this because, uh, like, just a quick personal history with of my relationship to Operation Mindcrime is that, um, I'm back in two thousand three four, um. When I had my first computer, <laughs> uh, that was the only bigger game I ever played on the computer was Diablo 2. Oh, yeah, okay. And I played that like one one time all the way through. And I very often I would sit and, and play it and listen to Operation Mindcrime oh, while funny. playing it. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for a long time... I couldn't listen to Operation Mindcrime without being in that Diablo 2 world. <laughs> yeah. In my mind. That's interesting. <laughs> but uh I mean the the connection has broken now that I that it's been like 20 years that I didn't play or not not quite 
but almost 20 years that I didn't play the the game and I also it's been a while since I listened to Operation Minecraft and yeah. but I did like two two days ago uh to refresh the memories yeah so maybe just to put some like um some Dario style Wikipedia info out <laughs> uh <laughs> because I feel like I must um it would be important to note it was released on May 3rd, 1988 on EMI Manhattan. Um, producer was Peter Collins, uh, who I believe did Rush Records, uh, and uh, I'll double check that. Um, I, I, I wouldn't know that. <laughs> and um, the lineup, I mean, uh, at the time, Jeff Tate, Chris DeGarmo, Michael Wilton, Eddie Jackson, Scott Rockenfield. Yeah. I, w uh, I would have known that by heart. You would look at you. Uh, of course, <laughs> not you, to brag, but <laughs> you are the Progopedia. Um, so, and just to like put a few things in the context, what I what, what what I think the reason we wanted to talk about this album to begin with is that I think a lot of albums after it were definitely influenced by it. So, I mean, yeah. people always talk about the Wall and Tommy and all these records from the 70s that influenced and created like these sort of concept prog albums. But I think Mindcrime did a lot for the prog metal world. Yeah. And a lot of albums that came after either totally ripped it off or mimicked it or, yeah. you know, just were influenced yeah. in small ways. Um, I mean, the 1988, the, like the, the, the prog metal thing was something totally new and I would believe that there back then probably there wasn't no such a word as prog metal probably um probably not and yeah. and i mean queensrÿche at that point that was their third record they weren't also a huge success yet i mean it wasn't until um uh, empire which came next yeah. did they really like silent lucidity that was like i think yeah, one of their first huge massive MTV hits as well. all, yeah. although yeah. i mean eyes of a stranger and um a number of other songs on this record yeah. uh, you know became very famous but i think becoming like like yeah. a world name you know like yeah. in the rock world yeah. it happened a little bit later. I, mean, I, I i would say it, it as the the concept album as such is uh um very important in the prog world also also in the prog metal world and like in the development of prog metal i would say it's a, an important album because before what did we have before in that vein we had iron maiden uh we had fate's warning yeah doing a little bit progier version of iron maiden first with with uh, back when john arch was still yep. uh, in the band and um, then there was uh, a Dream Theater with when Dreaming Day or Night in nineteen eighty six, eighty nine. Was it eighty nine? Yep. The band formed in like eighty six. Ah, yeah, yeah, right. But I think eighty nine. Uh, yeah, eighty eight, yeah, eighty nine. You, you, you're right. You're right. So I mean, we didn't even have that just yet. Um, and and certainly Operation Mindcrime, and I was going to mention this later. Um, influenced Portnoy and Petrucci and those guys. Queensryche in general, I think, was yeah. a big influence on them. Um, so, but let's let's put it into context. So uh, I'll just read what Wikipedia writes about the story. It, it's a, it says, it's a concept album and a rock opera. The story follows Nikki, a recovering drug addict, who becomes disillusioned with the corrupt society of his time and reluctantly becomes involved with a revolutionary group as an assassin of political leaders. Um to be honest, it could take place right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, uh, it, it deals with a lot of the same themes, like opioids and you know, you know, televangelists, televangelists, yes, uh, and you know, corrupt politicians, wealthy one percent getting away with all the crimes. Um, and this guy turns into an assassin. He gets taken over by this group and stuff. And this kind of harkens back to. Um, classic film called Taxi Driver, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro back in 1976. This is mm -hmm. pre-Reagan era, but definitely this album is coming out of this Reagan era where it I, was I, a, I can't speak much to that because yeah, we're, we're going we're going we're going back uh in the day here a bit, but um I think this era is like marked by both 
this weird sense of of pride in America and also, you know, rampant corporatism that like started to destroy the unions, you know, created a, a massive recession in the economy and stuff like that. So, um this was not like we we sometimes want to think of the Reagan era as like a golden era, or at least conservatives do, but it it was the end of a lot of things <laughs> and the beginning of a lot of things that we still that still you know exist now and um, the end of innocence. <laughs> yeah, and what uh, I would point out as interesting is that I I don't know that I would consider the album like a political album, but if certainly it's dealing with like topics that that at the time were political. Um, uh, yeah. And like I said, it's it has this connection to Taxi Driver, uh, which is about um, uh, you know a young man who comes home from Vietnam and is driving a taxi in New York and just has like sort of social anxiety and issues, and he hates everybody and he hates the society and he sees it as disgusting, and then he kind of ventures into this world of wanting to kill politicians, you know, yeah. and. In the '80s, um, and uh, uh, another and another similarity is uh, underage prostitution. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and I mean, to to take a page right out of history, I mean, uh, Ronald Reagan was uh, there was an attempt at assassinating him uh, in this time. I, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but Reagan was president uh, from 1981 until 1989. Um, and during this time, he also had this uh, assassination attempt. So, mm -hmm. um, the, the album isn't just like fiction. It really like draws from uh, an era, and yeah, and it's kind of interesting to see that it could play nowadays just as well. Um, and they did release a, a sequel to this during the Bush years. And what's really interesting, fun fact: this album was released in 1988. Reagan was president until 89, and then in 90, the, the second George Bush came. So just yeah. at the end of the presidency, they released this album. In 2006, they released the sequel, and 2007 was Bush's last year, and then 2008, <laughs> of course, we got Obama. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so now we're kind of due uh, part three, <laughs> like now or next year or in four years, <laughs> just to put that out there. Um <laughs> Okay. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, beyond that, so and, and also Jeff Tate now has, or at least did have, the Operation Mind Crime band, uh, which was touring and, and, and releasing yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. I didn't follow this at all. That's not really important, I think, to what we're talking about here no. today. But so let's talk about um, the albums that we think it influenced. Dario, do you have any albums that you think are particularly influenced by Operation Minecraft? You betcha. <laughs> you betcha. Let's see what you have and we'll compare. Um, well, as always, I list my things chronologically. Um, I would start start off like uh, with uh, Sabotage. Oh, yeah. Okay. Streets, a rock opera, 1991. Yeah. Fair, and, very um, fair. Good, good, good pick. I mean, later they did Dead Winter Dead and uh, Wake of Magellan, stuff like this. But I, I think uh, Streets in particular also um, was was like the most uh, uh, out of those uh, sabotage um, concept albums. Streets was the one that was the. I think it was the first concept album yep. and it was the one that drew most heavily from from um what they saw happening around them in the in the society in yep. in the in the United States at that time with yep. homelessness and everything yep. yeah and of course dead winter dead took that into more international yeah, politics with, with the bosnian uh, yes. serbian war yes uh yeah yeah great great choice um, before you go further, I was just going to say some of my picks for influences I put into two categories. One is the more musical direction, and one is more the prog metal concept album direction. So, but yeah, um, uh, there's there's actually um, like there's the, the, the how to say there's it's not a 
it's neither a fine line nor it's a, it's it's yeah. it's a, it's it's a easy way to categorize things i mean there's a, um it's it's a it's a spectrum yeah and 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 it blurs together it it um I think the, the I think the the importance here is like because like let's let's take for instance and I'm sure you're going to mention Arian at one point but like the yes. human equation is also like an album which doesn't have anything to do topically with this but certainly you can feel that um Operation Mindcrime could have led us in that direction but you could also say also the great musicals uh could have led us in that direction but what I think the difference with Mindcrime is that they showed how to do that in the in the context of heavy metal. Yeah, and so yeah, so some albums really stick to heavy metal, but just still have this sort of concept. Yeah. Um, now that you mentioned musical, I actually left out Vandenplas, German German prog metal band Vandenplas, yeah. because they are so heavily influenced, like directly influenced by musical, because they're that's their daily bread, as we say in yeah. German. <laughs> they they are playing in musicals, and some of their uh, albums were also pl played as stage production musicals here in Germany, like Christ yep. Zero, uh, which was, of course, a, an adaptation of uh, Count of Monte Cristo um, and all that. So, um, but yeah, that that's actually a subsection I opened up here, like concept-only projects. Uh, first and foremost, of course, Arian, um, yeah. um, which started in 1995, but uh, the first uh, album, into uh, the Electric Castle. Castle, was not released until uh, 1998, I believe. Okay. Um, wait, into, no, Into the Electric Castle was not the first Aaron album. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, there there were a few more, um, uh, especially um, yeah. In two thousand one, there were like two concept only things that were one time things. Uh, you might remember Leonardo, a perfect man, of course, absolutely. Uh, from uh, uh, Wayne Gardner, yeah. I think. From from Magellan was the main musical driving force. James Labrie with James Labrie and and a couple of other top notch singers. Yeah, that uh, was a on Magna Carta Magna release. Carter and, record yep. Um then in in the on this uh, in the same year two thousand one was Nicolo Kotsev's Nostradamus. Yeah. Um I left all these out because to me the <laughs> I, I I think that they're more influenced by musicals yeah. than maybe Operation Mindcrime. Yeah. But but they still do keep this like sort yeah. of metal thing. Yeah. Um Yeah, in in the uh staying uh, for a second here at the concept only yeah. thing. Um, as a mainstream equivalent, equivalent to um, Aryan, we uh, I, I feel that I should mention Avantasia, German oh, yeah. German band. Yeah, they did like a collaboration single also together a couple of years back, and uh, but due to the more mainstream appeal, they play even bigger stages than Aryan uh, does. But uh, but I mean after. I think 20, 25 years into the band history, starting to play live, what Arian did, yep. and, the, and the, he's he's doing amazing, and he's he's playing big sh big big stages. He's gonna um, headline Night of the Prog this year, uh, for example. Yeah. So, um, and uh, there was also a, like a three-part project by uh, Italian composer Daniele Liberani, genius rock opera, also featuring yes, Danny right. Gildenloh and, right. and I think also Tom Englund. Yep. And, and I was like really into these records back yeah. then, like, uh, <laughs> everything that was like this kind of concept thing. Um, could, could I pause just for a second uh, yeah, and sure. jump into like, like, like I said, like I kind of like there's some albums I find are like super influenced by the by the by the the album, and I would name them in a second. Yeah. And then there are other albums which I feel like exist maybe because of Operation Mindcrime. So, yeah. for instance, like Dream Theater, Scenes from a Memory. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with the same concept. Uses some of the same tactics and certainly relies on Pink Floyd's "The Wall" as much as Operation Mindcrime did in its own way, with like acoustic passages and certain vocal melodies that James sings and stuff. Yeah. But then even albums like "Between the Buried and Me's Colors," which is okay, t totally extreme concept, but still also has some of these, has some of the markings. And then 
even albums like Evergrey's In Search of Truth and The Inner Circle use some of these, like this tape recorder thing, voices yeah. off screen, you know, voices that happen during the songs to like kind of tell the story. Um, so these are like albums that I think kind of exist because of that mold, but maybe yeah. not are, are not like fully uh, taken from that. Another one would be My Chemical Romance, um, The Black Parade. Yeah. Which is also kind of Pink Floydy and Operation mm-hmm. Mindcrime, and even Green Day, American Idiot, yeah. of course, because this was also an album that came out during the Bush years that was like really. I mean, they turned that into a musical, so <laughs> I guess you could give it more and musical credit. Actually, Andy Kunz from Vandenplatz is or was singing this or last season ah, for the um, for the for a German production of American Indian. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but then I have some albums which I think are like really based on uh like this stuff and i would start with the one that's maybe least far away shadow gallery's tyranny um yes. this is you know like there's like a, sort of a love interest and it's like computers and there's Ni- like big wars happening and 1998 and like, um and actually the 2005 album room five, five it's was, like a sequel, a sequel yes yeah. So absolutely, um, that's on my list too. Same thing, like some talking off screen, and then like some you know music that like follows the story. Another one that, that um, I mentioned earlier, Digital Ruin. Their first album is called The Hand, uh-huh. and this is also a concept album, very similar to um, Mind Crime, where you have like this like secret organization that like brainwashes. That goes back as far as Manchurian Candidate, though, like the okay. film. I don't know if you yeah. remember this film. Yeah. In the Denzel Washington? Seven, well, you're thinking of the remake, <laughs> okay. but the original, uh, yeah, it's kind of like right. a there government. Right, original. Yeah. You know, like it, it, they use some sort of like hypnosis, and then they can kind of trigger those people like with some kind of word, and then they go kill somebody. That sounds like that. totally like Operation Mindcrime to yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, that's what it is. and the hand is the same from Digital Ruin back in '97. And then um, another uh, great German uh, band, German album, Superior. Uh, Ultima Radio. Ratio. <laughs> Ra- ratio, exactly. Uh, I was listening to it lo- yesterday, I think. Yeah. And that, this is yeah. very similar. Yeah, 2002. That's, it's that's, also like... Um, that, that, that is the one that is one that's not on Spotify. Ah, like okay. the band is not on Spotify because they, they disbanded before Spotify was even uh, yeah. um, a thing. Too bad, great band. So I, I, I actually thought about reaching out to... To trying to get hold of them and, mm. and 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 maybe do something that would be great like re-release stuff oh yeah because they have i think four albums they yeah. they were below uh, um, um is that the first one no why okay i didn't have this one yep. unique why i fe- uh. i featured it in the um in the, in the uh, premiere albums I thought it was called Below. Okay, I'm in the, confusing in the, the names. In, in the in the best debut album. Yeah, Unique is terrific. Yeah. This was the yeah. first album I got from them. Yeah, I think that that's a three. And then they they were uh, after after Ultima Ratio, or was Unique the third one? I'm not sure on the timeline here. Uh, I've got um, Behind is the uh, Behind is, is the, the f- debut. Is, is the be- debut with, with the song Y on it. Yeah, yeah Behind. Uh, unique, uh, Ultima Ratio, and then they did a live album. So it's really yeah. three. Three, three studio albums, but I remember after uh, Ultima Ratio, they were um, uh, planning a huge, massive double concept album, and oh. I think they had recorded a lot already, but then the whole thing broke apart. That's a shame. Yeah, That's I loved real. Ultima Ratio. I really listened to it a lot, and I mean, even though it has some really strong... Uh, you know, there's also this female, uh, you know, love story, blah blah blah. It's like yeah. it connects uh, in this way. But but again, you know, I love Operation Mind Crime, and I love when other bands do their own take on yeah. this. Yeah, and it made me think: wouldn't it be great to like make an Operation Mind Crime movie? Like to, to to like what a great story, you know? You know what? I've I've been dreaming about this since 20 <laughs> years or something. <laughs> okay, so if Queensrÿche's listening, come cu- talk to us. I've got some ideas. Um, uh, <laughs> and then one more album we cannot forget, um, Mind's Eye, A Gentleman's Hurricane. That's also on my list. Um, you know, it's also about an assassin. He's 2007. This one is also really cool because he's kind of like involved with like the JFK and like he's, it's a little bit like the Irishman as a Prague <laughs> album, you know, like he's like this guy that's kind of behind the scenes on all these events and stuff. But it's very, very similar, you know, uses also this like game voiceover kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, um, uh, I, I, 
I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit, but I wanted to I wanted to say one more time, like the the strong connection between um, Operation Mind Crime and the Wall musically. Like a lot, a lot of the elements that you have in a lot of these albums, um, which certainly came from the Wall first, but then yeah. you know, Mind Crime did it too. Is you have this sort of like prelude some audio, something happening, or a small song or something. Yeah. Then you have this big, like, intro song, right? Yeah. That presents all the themes, and it's kind of epic. Scenes from a memory, mind crime, strange, the wall. Uh, strange deja vu. Yeah. Over to in 1980. It, what, what, what yeah, is it? Yeah, but every, every, every one of these records has this kind of thing. Um, and, and, you, and then they use, like, you know, people talking over and stuff. Uh, but there's one element on, on Operation Mind Crime that we're just going to play it's the first time we're actually playing music on the show, so hopefully we don't get sued for this. But <laughs> um, and it's the 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 there's like a very similar um, throwback in Eyes of a Stranger to Empty Spaces, Young Lust, the track from okay. Played the Wall. So we're just going to listen to that. I even have the audio on here. I have it like in the background. I'm just going to speed it up forward because it, you just need to hear the theme. Once the vocals come in, damn! Yeah, okay, I, I so. need I need to listen to Pink Floyd again. Oh yeah, this this record. And they had some nice Pink Floyd going on in the shoot that was in the Moonbase yesterday. It was cool. Come down here, they were like rocking out with the Pink Floyd, the Wall, and so so check out this this um, chord progression that's coming now. Watch out to spill. Empty spaces. Right? And that repeats. And then I'm just jumping forward here just to protect. And then it builds. Uh, I am just a new boy. Great transition. Yeah. Like one one of the classic. Going from this like yeah. crazy cool like moody dark moment into a David Gilmore yeah. like pop song. Young Lust. Same thing happens in Eyes of a Stranger. It's the last track on the record, uh, Operation Mindcrime. Dun. Same exact chord progression, and they use a similar um, musical element to get into the song itself. Yeah, to build up, build up the. Yeah, you can sing along. Tension. What shall <laughs> we use? Yeah, and it's it's uh, yeah. it's a little bit slower. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit slower. But even like sound effects in the background, this like building. And then there's the break. Young Lust. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. Uh, and subconsciously or not, to me, that's like, um, I think it's like a really cool um, homage. Yeah to that record and i mean i think if you also listen to go back yourself and listen to the intro uh uh from um from the wall and operation mind crime you and 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 any any of these records that we mentioned today which will be in the yeah. playlist hopefully most of them yeah uh then you can it's hear like an, these similarities gonna, gonna be an interesting playlist to uh, compile um, um I don't know if you want to add anything to uh, this long list. I think I've talked about almost everything I wanted to talk about, except for, yeah, I mean, I think I covered everything. There was just one more thing I wanted to add. Um, Dario, do you have anything else to say about the record? Uh, about the record uh, itself? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, it kind of stands for for, for itself. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, I, I just have a couple more albums that I, I, I want to mention that might or might not be directly or in, indirectly yeah. influenced uh, by Operation Mindcrime. And uh, as I said earlier, there's like, especially with the concept, like how, with the constellation of the protagonists, I would say, and um, um, the, the kind of story that is told, there's... Um, of course, um, a lot of concept album also went away from that, you know, like conspiracy theory thing yeah. uh, into more personal matters, yeah. which I really Absolutely. like. Uh, as also, of course, uh, 
Um, I mean, Arian's the human equation. Yeah. But uh, that... Um, that goes the, super personal, honestly. Like, it's that's all it is. It's like all these yeah, alter but, egos, but, you but, know. But, like, but, the, but the meta uh, concept is like with the digitalization of the world yeah. um, that in, I don't know, uh, uh, in 100 years, yeah. we, we're going to have, uh, we, we, we will have lost our emotions. Yeah. And that's why that future, future guy is uh, remembering the emotions through this machine. I can remember now. <laughs> this is the opening line of Operation Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember now. Remember yeah. how it started. started. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so the Aryans got a little bit of that too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, especially around the, like at the end of the 90s, um, uh, you already mentioned Shadow Gallery and Dream Theater. Yeah. Um, but there was also um, stuff like Pain of Salvation, One, one Hour by the Concrete Lake. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, they did a lot of pro, uh, yeah. uh, a lot of concept records, and yeah. definitely uh, but, one hour by the concrete lake. Yeah, one hour by the concrete lake maybe has that also that that uh, social yeah, uh, aspect um, and environmental aspect, whatever that all all, all that goes into that. Um, a lot more um, personal stories uh would be in 1999 same year as uh, metropolis part two would be nevermore's dreaming neon black and opeth still alive yeah 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 you're right yeah these are definitely i mean like great examples and all all i have to say they're all in my favorite albums like these concept records are just i think this is what i loved from the beginning of listening to prog music is this concept, these like yeah. progressive yeah. concept albums. Yeah. So great well, choices. One, one, th one album I wanted to mention from, yeah, it was the same year as uh, One Hour by the Concrete, like 1997 was uh, uh, Face Warnings, A Pleasant Shade of Grey. Yep. Also. <laughs> um, and then totally. later in the 2000s. This we, is also kind it, of the, there's also some the mystery of like what's happening in that story yeah, and there's a yeah, murder and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's kind of try try to tie it in and bridge it to today. Um, I wanted to mention also like a really really personal story is uh, Sylvan Sylvan's posthumous silence, uh, German band, terrific record, um, less metallic, more uh, symphonic prog rock, like not really symphonic but keyboard, yeah, driven prog rock. Um, and then actually, when you mentioned corrupt politicians earlier, <laughs> I, I think, you know, last, last time, last, last, like a couple of months back when we, uh, came up with this idea, I think I, I gave you the album. I lent you the album from Dominici. Oh, two, oh, three, oh, three, a, tri a trilogy part uh -huh. two. Could be. I don't remember. I didn't, I, I didn't find it in my, uh, shelf. And in in one of these songs from from that album, Dominici, of course, the singer of uh, Dream Theater's uh, "When Dreaming Day and Night." Yeah, um, this was or three a tr trilogy part two was in two thousand seven, and the part three was in two thousand eight. Yeah, um, one of the songs st starts with the words "corrupt corrupt politicians, purveyors of law," or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, they're terrific records, and I absolutely love how Dominici came back with a totally different voice than he had like 20, yeah. 30 years before. Right. <laughs> like then, back then, it was 20, 20 years before. Um, because he, he was using his lower re re register a lot, and, and, and that, was, that is really classic uh, prog yeah. metal concept stuff. Uh, as as opposed to stuff like a Sylvan, uh, I just mentioned. Also, very very classic um, was Kaiser's Bard Meisterstück. Okay, yeah. in uh, in in two thousand eighteen, and they also say that like Danilo, the drummer, is uh, Operation Minecraft was definitely a big influence, um, and. Um, but I mean, one of one of the bands of the moment now in the prog metal world, Haken. They, yeah, 
with a mountain. Aquarius, Visions, and Vector, these three... Uh, Aquarius maybe a little bit less so, but Visions and Vector have also these, like, there's, in Vector, there's a mental asylum with a doctor as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Um. And, and Visions is basically Metropolis Part 2, Part 2, and all this stuff. Um, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's so many, there's so many records that, that I mean... I mean, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to stand by it. Operation Mindcrimes the, is the mother of all prog metal uh, concept and, albums. Um, I mean, it's la la landing landing on in 2019. Okay, now it's 2020. I don't think we have. Uh, well, there's uh, there's uh, I think there's a concept album coming coming up very soon. Novena's Eleventh Hour. Yep. Uh, that's the first one I can think of now. I know that's going to come out soon. I think in March. Uh, but last year, Soul Splitter saluted Genesis. Absolutely. Um, go listen to the interview um, in one of the Euroblast interview episodes where they uh, explain the the concept in depth. And uh, I mean, it's it's about an alien entity coming to to Earth and <laughs> noticing all the. Yeah things that go wrong but that is that is exactly that socio-political thing tied in with a very very personal um journey yeah and personal thoughts and um uh yeah philosophical thoughts about yeah. the state of the human being the state of the where 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 is humanity going yeah and all that. I would just I, I, I would I would add one more uh, record to our list, and also say one thing about Queensrÿche that sort of ties up what you're talking about, how it kind of goes into this personal thing. But one huge record that we're we're missing, but I don't think it really fits here, is uh, the Astonishing from Dream Theater, because this is also a yeah. massive. But I think this has more more in, in harmony with musicals yeah, than musical it does roots. with Operation Mindcrime, yeah, and they did well. their Mindcrime yeah. album. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but what I would like to say, um, maybe to, to wrap this up now, because we have crossed over the one hour mark, which yeah. we, I think we didn't expect, but hey, that's what happens when you prog in here, <laughs> um, is that uh, Queensryche, after releasing the next album, Empire, and a bunch of singles for soundtracks and stuff, and becoming a really big name, released what to me is one of my favorite albums from them, and I think it's one of their most un unsung hero albums, one of their most under um, unappreciated. May, may I guess it? Of course. Promised Land. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of my favorite records. Uh, I don't know that I like it more than Operation Mindcrime because Mindcrime is like stands on its yeah. own. But, but, it, but um, it, 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 it has some grunge elements. and, and you, Totally. And, <laughs> and that, is, that is also your, your jam. Yeah, that's my jam. And that's my age. Like when I bought, yeah. uh, uh, this, is, this is a great point. When, <laughs> when I discovered Dream Theater, it was with Awake in 94. What yeah. album came out in the same year? Same, close to the same month. Promised Land. I bought them together on All the right. same day on tape. <laughs> so awesome. those were my two, and and Promised Land I got into much later because I didn't quite get it yet. But yeah. it has a lot of Pink Floyd elements yeah. on it. Well, is it's also a concept, but it's a personal one. It's about what happened to the band personally after fame. And the last oh, track, wow. we I, I, I could that. devote a whole episode to this yeah. album too, because the last song is called Crossroads, and they basically stand at a place where they have to decide which way they're going to yeah. go. And in my opinion, they went the wrong road, because then they went into all this like alternative, yeah, weird, wanky stuff, uh, and away from this rich yeah. Queensryche conceptual things that, yeah. that we had. Yeah. So anyway, that's a topic for another time. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, also one more thing uh, written down here. Um, I'm not sure if 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 it certainly doesn't stem directly from Operation Mindcrime, but maybe maybe Operation Mindcrime opened up this conceptual thing um, to heavier bands as well. Mm, yeah, and mm. um, I mean they they are not the heaviest bands, but we have there's bands like Coheed and Cambria and sure. and, yeah. and and the Deer Hunter who actually took the concept and spread it over several albums. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so that's like Absolutely. taking it even one step further. Yeah. I mean, or several I, I feel like we could further. sit here and list <laughs> album after album of concept, but uh, 
Yeah, I think I think we've covered it. Yeah. Uh, I I, I want to say that's uh, that the 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 Operation Mind Crime is the mother of all progressive metal uh, concept albums. Thanks, Dario. That was a long way to say it, but uh, it was fun. <laughs> Hope you had as much fun as we did. Um, I'll see you on Monday for. Uh, I, well, I will be back on Monday with the What's Hot section, and we're going to uh, be back next week with another cool topic. Thursday. We're, we're, we're going to think of another cool topic for you to nerd out on. Great. Thanks, Dario. Thanks, Randy. See you guys next time. Freaks out. Freaks out. Freaks Progcast, presented by the Prague Space, is a production of Stuas Media and is recorded at the Moonbase Studios in Munich. The show is produced by Janine Stango, Blake Lewis, Kai Metzner, Dario Albrecht, and myself, Randy M. Salo. Our theme music is provided by This Is Not An Elephant. Thanks for tuning in, Freaks. See you next time. Freaks out. Freaks out.